What brings a community together? Shared insights? Shared conversations? Welcome to Open Door by Cox Communities, tackling the big questions on the minds of smart community business leaders. Welcome back to Open Door by Cox Communities, where we're providing information for you to consider when making decisions for your multifamily communities. Discover the latest trends and technologies that are making some multifamily business owners stand out. I'm your host, Bess Friedman, CEO of Brown Harris Stevens. If you're a multifamily business owner or property manager, you've likely already heard about the FCC's new order and declaratory ruling pertaining to ISP exclusivity. The ruling is still fresh and has many nuances and implications for multifamily owners and residents alike. So first up on today's episode, we talk about how to make sense of the ruling and everything you need to know, and how to make sense of the order that will impact how broadband providers and property owners partner to deploy, upgrade, and maintain broadband networks at apartment properties. For a topic this important, we needed a guest to match. So joining us to discuss is Vice President and General Manager at Cox Communities, Vicki Rogers. Our conversation was so good that we ended up talking about many different trends, including in the MDU space. Good afternoon. So nice to have you, Vicki Rogers from Cox Communications today. Vicki, first, tell me where this podcast finds you. Where are you right now? I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Gotcha. And tell me about your role at Cox. What do you do at Cox? So I'm the vice president and general manager for Cox Communities. Our team does strategy, operations, and sales execution. And so what we do is work closely with builders, property owners, consultants, and management companies to really help them use technology to optimize rents and occupancy. Yeah, sounds like a very strategic role that you play at Cox. So let's get right into it and talk about, first and foremost, talk to us, give us an overview of the new FCC order. And for those of you who don't know, it's FCC is the Federal Communications Commission, but why don't you talk to us a little bit, Vicki, about that new order? Absolutely. So the FCC, our tax dollars at work, put out a, <laughs> a mandate that, you know, if you read it, it's like 300 pages long and would put you to sleep several times. But if you really <laughs> boil it down from an owner's perspective, well, actually, I'll give you two perspectives. From a telecom perspective, there were three things that were in there. One, first of all, exclusive marketing agreements are still legal. So owners should not worry about that. You absolutely, if you have one in place, it's legal. There's not a problem. There's a lot of misinformation where people read the mandate and don't understand it. What did change about exclusive marketing agreements are two things on the payment front. One, if you get paid today on a graduated scale. So in other words, if you get paid a percent that gets higher as your penetrations get higher, that has to be paid out at a flat rate going forward. And so that was the biggest change. The second change was that exclusive marketing payments can't be exclusive. So in other words, if I am a property owner and I have an exclusive marketing agreement with Cox and I'm receiving payment from them 
for that exclusive marketing. I could also take payment from AT&T or someone else. They just couldn't market on property. So if they wanted to pay me for their subscribers that live in my building, even though they don't get marketing rights in the building, they could do that. That actually has always been the case. People just did not understand that. So you're saying that you can't ask for somebody to be exclusive. Is that what you're saying? You can ask them to sign an exclusive marketing contract so they can exclusively market your products on their property. So in other words, like a leasing agent might have your information in the move-in kit. They could mention it, all that sort of thing. But they can take payments from someone else. So in other words, if I'm I'm Trump Tower. Yep. And why'd you pick Trump Tower? Pick a different one. Anyone, any, any condo. Okay. In New York, right? <laughs> and let's say you had an exclusive marketing agreement with Charter in the city, right? Mm-hmm. You could do exclusive marketing for them and get payment for that at a flat rate, but you could also have an antenna on your roof and have roof rights and get paid for that. So it just says you can legally be paid by more than one person. Got it. Very helpful. Thank you for clarifying that. And Can management services organizations still pay revenue share? Absolutely. So we're still paying revenue share. What's going to change is we'll be sending addendum documents to our customers, to owners and consultants, and converting their payment schedules from graduated to flat. And so we'll just make sure it's equal to or greater than what they were getting paid before. And so let's say if today we've got 76% of your clients, or let's say you've got a hundred unit building and 76 of those people have our services and we're paying against that, whatever that percent on the scale is, we'll pay that at a flat rate against everything going forward. And so you'll just be paid on one amount versus depending on where you end up on the penetration scale. So it'll be to the benefit of many owners. Okay. So I'm just not familiar with this and trying to understand why do you think that the FCC, what was the rationale behind making these changes? If Do you have any insight into that? If you look at what the stated purpose was, the stated purpose was to improve consumer rights and give them more choices. The reality Mm. is most buildings have multiple choices today. And any building that's got exclusive marketing typically is going to be a nicer building, right? And so many of these folks have access to more services than most people. Got it. And they have choice. And so I think the intent was to provide more consumer choice. I think the reality is it just makes a lot of the service providers that had agreements in place have to go rework their payment processes and do addendums. Got it. Thank you for clarifying. Are there any mandated changes to contract language? So the only thing you'll see change in the contract language is The one little piece that said, here's how you get paid, and it shows a graduated scale, we'll pull that out and we'll put in, you'll get paid out at a flat rate. So all other language, all other legal and business language that are in contracts would stay exactly the same. Now, that's the approach Cox is taking. You know, I don't know from a Comcast or Charter or AT&T or Verizon how they will choose to deal with this mandate because maybe they use as an opportunity to change other things in their addendums. With us, all we're doing is changing the way we pay out. And so as far as these changes go, how do you educate everybody at Cox about these new changes? How do you guys go about making sure everybody knows about these new additions? Well, we have internal communication cascading. I'm not so much worried about the internal people to Cox. (laughs) I'm more worried about making sure our customers understand that they still have legitimate legal contracts in place 
and that the only change will be the methodology for how we calculate payment. And that that's all that will be involved in the addendum. So we'll be sending them a short and easy addendum for them to say, yeah, I want to continue to get paid on this because it's part of their margin to the bottom line and click here and I'll pay you this way versus the other. At the end of the day, it's going to net out the same dollars. Got it. And are there any disclosures that now need to be put into place? Yes. And so this is a little confusing for owners too. So the FCC can't regulate owners, right? They're not, the FCC doesn't regulate property owners. No, they regulate information, don't they? Right. They just regulate communication companies, right? And so we're regulated, but the property owner is not. But what they're asking us to do is any marketing materials that are on a property that has an exclusive marketing agreement in place, we have to put a disclaimer on any of the marketing materials. So it has to say there's an exclusive marketing arrangement with this owner in this property, and you and as, as a consumer can have a different choice if you wish. And so we'll have to reprint all our marketing materials. You know, we do a lot of digital marketing with our owners on their websites. And so we'll have to update disclosures on there. We have a lot of specialized products that are built just for multifamily owners and also SFU builders. And we'll have to probably go back and put stickers on some of those devices when it was uh, when it was something like a quick connect to where the customer could just use their phone and turn up the broadband service. There's instructions on there, so we'll have to replace those. And so it's truly just, it's just a disclaimer, letting consumers know that there's a special arrangement in place and that they can choose something else if they wish. Great. Thank you, Vicki. And when exactly do multifamily business owners, and as you call them ISP, internet service providers, need to be compliant? The ruling was made, but it hasn't fully been filed. We think that'll happen in the next 30 days. And so after that filing occurs, there's 180 days to become compliant, which is a very short period of time, six months. Yeah, it does seem like a short period of time to get everybody on board. So now you just went through all of this. And this, for people who are not familiar with this information, it sounds a little bit complicated. Can you kind of explain this to us in layman's terms and give us the bottom line on what all of this means and how it impacts you guys in your business. Absolutely. So from an owner perspective, if you have an exclusive marketing agreement in place with a provider, that's a still valid agreement. If they are paying you on a graduated pay scale, they will mm-hmm. have to do an addendum with you so that they can continue to legally pay you based on a flat rate versus a scale. Okay. As an owner, I would just say, just make sure that whatever that new stipulation is in the addendum is equal to or better than what you've received in the past. The other thing that is in the FCC mandate that we didn't talk about because it doesn't affect Cox, but there is some ruling around leaseback of inside wiring, which is now not legal. And so if you have a service provider that has done your wiring and then you have a contract that leases back your inside wiring to you, you need to get with them and work out a transition because you should own your own inside wiring for your building. So Vicki, I'm curious to know, I mean, you have an incredible depth of knowledge about all this stuff, all this nuanced information. How? Tell me a little bit about your background. Like, where did you get started in all of this? Tell me a little bit about you. So I've been in the industry about 36 years. I started out with MCI 100 years ago. I then worked for Bell South for many years. I did their managed network services and their multimedia back when video conferencing like this was emerging technology and it cost $250,000 a room versus being able to do it off your laptop. 
from Sprint, from Bell South, I did managed network services. Then I went to Time Warner. I was sharing with you. I was in New York City for a while, which um, New York City real estate is totally different. So different. So different. The rules and regulations are different. The way they do franchises is different. And a lot of your investors and property owners there, you see them more concentrated. So most of the folks there own 80% or more of their properties within that Jersey, New York City area. Whereas most of the portfolios we deal with may have properties across the country. So a very different feel. I think, you know, people in New York City were doing these exclusive marketing deals way before the rest of the world was. So I think you're right. So I'm curious because you said you have children, right? So you're probably more tech savvy than the average mom. So do they ask you questions and come to you for stuff? No, actually, it's hilarious because my sons are actually pretty tech savvy. And when they were in middle school, they built their own little website and were doing different projects on it with friends. And every time I would need something set on my TV or phone or whatever, they go, Mom, don't you work for a technology company? You're going to get fired. You're (laughs) terrible at all this, (laughs) which is absolutely true. And so I call my my sons are now freshmen in college. I have twin boys. I literally call them when I have a tech issue at home. They are my geek (laughs) squad. It's funny because, you know, we grew up, we didn't grow up with all this tech, with technology, with things were different. You picked up the phone. I mean, my kids always say I sound like I'm elderly the way that I talk, but it was a different world today. And the expectation is that things are immediate. And you're connected right away. It's an advantage in many ways, and it's a disadvantage in others because, you know, the interaction and the social connection that you have or used to have, I think sometimes is missing, especially with adolescents. I see a lot of that. They don't know how to communicate. Absolutely. Well, it's, you know, when I think of it, because I can go in and do a PowerPoint and present technology and what's happening, but when you're actually using it, that's when I call them. But if you think there's (laughs) been, you know, if you think about it best, there's a revolution, right? 10 years ago, property owners didn't want to get in the middle of technology. They wanted to make sure their property had the right technology so people could get what they wanted, but they didn't want to get too involved. And so that's when access agreements and sometimes exclusive marketing made a lot of sense and we did well. Then we've come to a place to where a lot of research you'll see back to what you just said on Always Connected. People want pre-enabled broadband in buildings. And so they want to come in and turn it up like that. They don't want to call and put an order in. They don't want to wait on a truck roll. And so we launched something called Quick Connect, and it has taken off. It's been insane how much people love What is Quick Connect? Tell us about that. What is that? So what Quick Connect is, is we work with the property owners, and we pre-enable a device in the apartment. But the device belongs to the building, not to the end resident. And so when a resident comes in... They can take their iPhone and just scan the barcode and turn up their broadband services. And so they love that. I got to find out more about that. People don't realize it. Move events, 80% of people buy telecom services when they're moving. Move event is one of the most stressful things in your life. It's one of the top five, along with death of a family member, literally, when yeah, you do course, research. Of course, of course. And so yeah, because of that, that, people stuff. are so stressed. If you can take one more thing off their plate that they don't have to worry about, it becomes really important. The other thing about pre-enabled broadband or having always on service is the reality is we're much more dependent on broadband now. You know, home is everything now for people because before COVID, about 25 to 30% of millennials were working from home at least two days a week. Now that's a much higher percentage that their primary workspace is out of their home. Matter of fact, I'm talking to you today from my home, right? 
And so broadband availability and speeds are so much more important because your business runs on it. Your kids are schooling from it. And now with some of the next generation at home entertainment with metaverse and these, these virtual reality solutions, they're going to take huge broadband. And so it's going to change the way people look at homes. Our homes now look more like our offices did 10 or 15 years ago, as far as complexity of devices functionality and what you need to be able to do files up and down video conferencing. I mean, 15 years ago, we have never thought about doing that from our home. No, I mean, I think that was one of the blessings, if there were any from the pandemic, was that people learned how to do everything from home, including sometimes having to do, you know, for apartments, sometimes they had videos, they couldn't actually get in to show them and do different things. And people got very creative So I hope that more people will return to the office. I do think there's something special about office culture, but it just depends. It's nice that we have the ability to do both. Well, it's interesting. We do team agreements. And so we decided a team level, how people want to work. And do you want to come into the office one day a week too? Um, And the reason we do it is team agreements. So, because if you come into the office and you're the only one there, it's not a lot of fun. (laughs) That's right. So teams have decided, hey, we want to come in one day and we'll all come together. I love that. That's a great thing to implement. We have people, I'm, I've been in the office. I like coming into the office, but you're right. It's not fun when there's not a lot of people here because then you're just here by yourself. It's not the same thing. So I like that. Good ideas, quick connect and these team agreements. You've given me two new things to think about. So I appreciate that. So Vicki, as it pertains to MDUs and the new FCC order, can you talk to us about how that impacts MDUs in which ways? Well, I think we talked a little bit about, you know, from the owner perspective, I think if you look at it from a resident perspective, and we talk about that move event, the things that consumers really want is they want ease of use, right? They want a frictionless journey as they're moving and coming into apartment. And so the more you can make it easier for the resident and they have what they need, the better off you are. The trends we're really seeing from what consumers want and and what's important to them, and that's what I think this FCC mandate was trying to get to, is, you know what, they want speed, right? Because now they're doing video conferencing from home. They're doing gaming from home. We have a big part of the population, too, that rent now that are aging, right? And so remote healthcare is becoming a really big deal. And now a lot of the regulatory front has changed on that too, where you can do remote telehealth appointments and that can still be through your insurance. There's a lot of devices and technology now that allows you to, you know, kind of like your wearables. I'm sure you, you probably have an Apple watch or different things that you're monitoring. Now we have a lot of other things that can be pre-enabled in an apartment so that people can do remote healthcare. The other thing is with aging parents, you know, a lot of people want to age in place. And so if they're living in an apartment, they want to stay there. They don't want to go to a nursing home. And so a lot of this remote technology through broadband allows them to age in place. But yet if something's happening and there's no motion or other things are happening, it could prompt an email to a caregiver, to a daughter or to a son saying, hey, you may want to call mom and dad, you know, just for a check-in to alert if certain things are happening. Property... IOT or Internet of Things, all these sensors allow us to do to really, truly have intelligent buildings that are going to be the way 
a lot of these owners run their buildings will change over the next five years. So I think that's going to be huge. That's interesting. The age in place is that I've not heard that before. Is that a term of art? Is that something that's newer? I've not heard it. Yeah. So there's a lot of research that tells you, you know, I think it's more than 85 million people will be greater than 65 in the next five years. And of that, most of them, the majority have three chronic diseases. So, you know, heart failure, diabetes, all these different things. And so most of them have health conditions they're dealing with. And so with the aging in place, there's a high preference of baby boomers not to go into nursing homes and they want to stay in their home. And so there's a lot of work being done to better understand, okay, how do I set up these buildings so that people can't age in place? And you'll see a lot of the owners, they're trying to figure out in a segment, they know, you know, it's, it's baby bells. You got these young people coming up. So you got millennials that are a real big group. And then you've got the baby boomers that are crossing over 65 and aging in place. And so they're doing these 55 and up communities. You're seeing more and more of those built. And you got in California, Arizona, and you actually see where it starts with the 55 and up community. And you just migrate until it's a nursing care facility in the same property. And so the aging in place becomes really a big deal and your technology gets more and more astute. And then it becomes beyond technology and you have to have a caregiver there. Wow. I have not thought about that in that way before, but that's an interesting age in place. It allows people to stay where they want to be and have, you know, all the services that they need and be able to live with dignity. That's really a wonderful thing to be able to give people. I love that. Well, you know, my mom and dad have passed now, but they were like that. They were, I mean, I remember my mom making my brother and I promise you're not going to put me in a nursing home. And we didn't. And so then you're trying to call every day and you're having the neighbors check and you're doing all these things. And wouldn't it be great if you had all these solutions to where she was doing all her normal stuff so I could see her stats and go, yep, you know, she she was going through heart failure. So she would weigh every day. If the scales could have sent me a note going, yep, it hasn't fluctuated more than X every day. I'd be like, okay, that's good. And is there movement in the house? Yep. Okay, that's good. That is fantastic. You know, I have a really good friend right now who's a bit older than me and his parents who are in their 90s. His dad just passed and his mom is very ill and they're in Florida and he doesn't have any of this. Like he has caregivers there. He's calling them all the time. How is my mom doing? What's going on? He, If he could ever look on his phone and see, okay, my mom got up. She ate today. Her heart rate is this. Yeah. Like that is life changing. It is because it puts you at ease because you feel very guilty when you have a parent wow. that's that age and you can't be right there. And it also lets you know if you need to take action, right? Like, okay, something's happening I need to call such and such. We need to do X because with her, with the heart failure, if she gained more than five pounds in a day, it's like, okay, something's wrong. She's getting fluid buildup. It's going to get in her heart and lungs. We've got to go see the doctor, right? Wow. That's fantastic though. I mean, I'm sorry about your folks. I mean, you know, but that's, you know, it's very hard. That's part of the change and in life, but it's nice that this is one thing that technology can really help for people who are older and want to stay in their homes And then it makes the children feel good. My mom, who's now 80 and she's independent, does her own thing. But at some point, she will want to stay. I'm never putting my mom in a nursing home ever. I will never do it. And so that's great. I love this aging in place. That's excellent. And let's, Vicki, talk a little bit. We touched on this moving because, you know, as you mentioned, moving is one of the most stressful 
times of people's lives. There's so much going on, you know, with schools and, you know, organizing your kids and your life and everything. Talk to us a little bit about moving in technology and how that's changed and how people, what their expectations can be today when they move. You know, if you're an apartment building, people expect everything to be up and going. I mean, honestly, they want a frictionless journey. They want the least amount of stress possible. And let me tell you something. You wouldn't imagine someone coming into an apartment and not being able to have their water running. It's the same with broadband. Actually, we've actually done surveys that show that people would opt out of other utilities if they could have their broadband, which is kind of crazy, right? That's scary. It's actually scary a little bit. But it's true because the people are so tied to broadband and being online and having access, whether it's for school or work or anything else that they do, even a lot of their social connection now is via broadband. But water, I mean, I, if you told me I could have my technology or I could have water, I would say I'll take water any day. That's like, that's a little bit what's wrong a little bit with our culture today as well, that people would choose to have technology over things that are essential to your biochemistry is scary to me. So at my age, you don't see that. At millennials, you see it more. And then Gen X, the younger they get, the higher the the need for the broadband to be on as soon as they're there, no downtime. And so that pre-enablement element is really important. The other thing we're really seeing is that 42% of people who live in apartments are millennials. They're willing to pay 10 to 20% more in rents to have automation solutions. Wow. That's, and if you look at their incomes, I mean, it's, that's a lot for what some of these folks are making. And so, so what does that mean? That means they want digital door locks so they can let a roommate come in or out or let someone who's visiting town come into their apartment when they're out. It means they like green initiatives. So they want to be able to remotely control the thermostat. So they feel like they're being energy efficient and saving the, saving the world, right? They want the ability to take a look with a camera and see who's in the gym and see if their machines are taken or if they can go down there. And this isn't technology, but it always cracks me up. You know, they're willing to pay $20 a month to have somebody take their garbage from their front door from garbage valet and take it to the dumpster, right? And so it's all about (laughs) conveniences and efficiency, and that matters to people when they're choosing where they're going to live. The other research we found that was pretty amusing is, you know, years ago, People wouldn't let you bring a dog or a pet into an apartment if you're a renter. That used to be a big, no, we don't allow pets. Now, 68% of people in apartments have pets. And so the ability to watch their pet during the day via camera is a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, I read a study that says that people who own dogs have a longer lifespan by something like 10 years. So I think pets, I mean, I love, I have a dog, two dogs. I love dogs. And I think that they are, you know, it's a big, for New Yorkers, especially we love our dogs, but that's a great thing to be able to see, you know, make sure your dog doing okay, walking around all that stuff. It's, it's really fantastic. Those sorts of things. Yeah. So the automation solutions are a a big deal to folks when they move. So they're, you know, so what are you looking for when you move? You want it to be easy. You want things to be pre-enabled so you don't have to hassle and wait on it. What else do they want? You know, if, if it's someone in the older set, they're wanting that remote healthcare option. If it's someone that's younger, millennial or younger, they want automation solutions. And those are becoming more and more important. And it's starting to become table stakes where if they look at an apartment and it doesn't have it, they just won't choose They're not it. interested. Yeah, they, they're not interested. This is, 
Wow, this is great territory that you guys cover at Cox. And uh, this has been so insightful for me, Vicki. So thank you so much. Thank you, Bess. Wishing you well. Let me know if you're in New York City anytime soon. I was going to say, you know, here pretty soon, I'm ready to make my next trip. Not afraid of COVID <laughs> anymore, so... Good. I'd love to I'd love to meet you in person. Take care of yourself and enjoy your sons, Vicky. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much to Vicky for being on the show today, walking us through the changes due to the FCC's new declaratory order and for talking to us about the newest trends in the MDU space. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate and leave a review or subscribe if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bess Friedman, and this has been Open Door, brought to you by Cox Communities.